0: Old powers waken. Shadows stir. An age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us. An age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. In Winterfell's great hall, a feast is in full swing in honor of the king. In the back of the hall, in a place of no honor, sits a drunk bastard and his direwolf. His name is Jon Snow, and he's more than what meets the eye in more ways than one. As we go through this first introduction to Jon Snow from John's point of view, we get in his head and see what his thoughts are, what his feelings are, but there are lots of seeds being planted in this chapter, and there is a lot more going on that when you start to peel back the layers, it really gets busy in a chapter that, in my opinion, is a little bland. We're going to dive right in. There were times, not many, but a few. When Jon Snow was glad he was a bastard. So we are presented with Jon Snow being in this great hall at this feast, but because he's a bastard, he's not allowed to sit with his brothers and sisters. He's not allowed to walk in this royal procession. But on the other hand, there is no one to stop him from getting drunk, and his direwolf is also allowed to be with him, whereas his siblings are not permitted to have their direwolves with them, and they're only permitted one cup of wine. Now, There are two things going on here that I want to point out. Firstly there's a little foreshadowing about the direwolf situation that's going on. Ghost and Jon are together most always throughout the books and that's because Jon is far removed from the royalty and the things going on in King's Landing all throughout the books. Just like he is at the feast. He's in the back where no one can see him and no one can care what he's doing. But on the other hand Arya and Sansa and the rest of his siblings are the closest to the royalty they are seated with the royalty and their wolves are not allowed and to mirror this feast they leave winterfell with their wolves and they lose their wolves first it's setting the stage for the benefits that john will have because he's a bastard and the hardships his brothers and sisters will have because they aren't it's very subtle it may not be on purpose but i can't help but see it that's the benefit of rereading you pick up things that you might have missed otherwise Another thing that's going on, and we see it as the chapter continues, is that John hates being a bastard. And even tonight, while he says this is the time that he's glad to be a bastard, it's not actually true. Because if it were, why would he be getting pissy drunk, angry drunk? For the hell of it, or because he can, or is he bothered that even Theon Greyjoy is treated with more honor him in this world of Westeros seating arrangements and processions and things like that are honorable and if you don't receive them it's truly it's a slight I think everything we know about Jon Snow across all books is very likely Jon Snow wanted to be in that procession I think he wanted to sit at the table with his siblings it's normal for a 14 year old not to want to be treated like an outcast and that's how Jon is treated the way he's normally treated is is pushed aside because his presence may offend the queen, per Lady Stark. So, no, I don't think he's glad that he's a bastard ever. I think he's getting drunk because he's upset about it, he's bitter, it's bothering him. But moving on, John reflects on the royal procession. The Lannisters, Baratheons walk in the feast, being escorted by the Starks. Eddard walks Cersei in, and Robert walks Catelyn in. Rob is paired with Marcella. Sansa is paired with Joffrey, and Arya with Tommen. And John is very observant. Like, he picks up immediately that Cersei is a piece of shit, and so is Joffrey. He can see the truths that are hiding behind the fake bullshit. And that's one of the things I love about John. he is observant and he is a good judge of character he doesn't see someone like Tyrion Lannister and become disgusted John is a misfit he's an outcast and those are the people that he comes to vibe with the most even though John's father is a lord and he has a very privileged life growing up in a castle he doesn't look down on anyone and his moral compass is pretty solid and I love that about him but also his maturity isn't quite there yet so some of the same tones from the previous chapter are carried over to this chapter when it comes to robert baratheon and the expectations versus reality the king was a great disappointment to john his father had talked of him often the peerless robert baratheon demon of the trident the fiercest warrior of the realm a giant among princes John saw only a fat man, red-faced under his beard, sweating through his silks. He walked like a man, half in his cups. So John isn't impressed with King Robert, and truly no one is. So he didn't live up to the hype. Robert didn't live up to the hype. But what's funny is that John is impressed with someone else that someone is Sir Jamie Lannister. When he sees Jamie Lannister, he thinks to himself, this is what a king should look like. Not to spend much time on this concept of what is a king, what a king should look like, and all of that, but it shows that Jon and the rest of the Stark children don't really have a clue. They aren't mature. They have lived this sheltered life in Winterfell. They had this illusion of the world and what it should be and look like. I would call this like a sansa moment for john where he expected robert or the king to be like the man in the songs and the stories and the reality of him and life in general is much different than the songs and the stories and john will eventually learn that and so will sansa but i think it's a huge hint that the stark children are not quite ready for the world the illusion they have of it are a lot different than it actually is So John gives Ghost a full chicken and lets him devour it under the table as other dogs. A dog three times bigger than Ghost sizes Ghost up and eventually the other dog is like, you know what, I'm not even going to mess with you. So Ghost is a big part of John. He is in most of John's chapters. He's not just an accessory he is a piece of John, like he's not just a pocky book. But this chapter serves as a good look into the relationship of Jon Snow and Ghost and the bond that they have. So Benjamin comes along and sits down and they talk about ghost. He's not like the others, John said. He never makes a sound. That's why I'll call him ghost. That and because he's white. The others are all dark, grey and black. So, it is not by coincidence that John wound up with the white direwolf, which is funny because John is a bastard, right? So, he is a snow. If he were to carry a banner because he's a bastard, that banner has to be in flipped colors. That's like a Westerosi law or custom. So, the Stark banner is a gray direwolf on a white field. The bastard start colors would be a white direwolf on a gray field. So it's a little too perfect that John ends up with Ghost, the white direwolf, and like Ghost, John is not like the others. So Martin is definitely working on something with John and Ghost that is important. It's very subtle, but the direwolf's traits and actions match those of their owners. I've done several videos on it, I'll link them below, but John and Benjamin talk, and they notice that Ned is uncomfortable he's as comfortable as a polar bear in Hawaii so John knew that something was amiss John tells Benjamin that Robert and Ned went into the crypt today and Benjamin gives John like this careful measuring look now I have always wondered if Benjamin knows more about John than he's letting on did he know John was not Ned's son I've always wondered like a lot about Benjamin he's a very mysterious character I've always wondered why Benjamin took the black did he know John's true parents and want to remove himself from the situation? Did he take the Black because Ned had returned to Winterfell and Ned already had an heir? I mean, what was it? Was it just the Stark honor system? I don't know. I think there's something more to this. So John tells Benjen that he wants to go to the Wall. He wants to take the Black. And Benjen is like, you're young. But John is like, I'm a man grown. And John goes on to talk about one of his heroes. That hero is a Targaryen, the young dragon daeron targaryen which fun fact daeron targaryen the young dragon is totally the blueprint of rob stark the young wolf i mean the parallels between those two characters are jaw-dropping so Benjen tells john the young dragon died like don't you remember and he died young but john wanted to join the night's watch because there was no place for him what place could a bastard hope to earn and here is why I think Benjamin knows more or might know more than he's letting on. He says, You don't know what you're asking, John. And Benjamin tells him, Until you've known a woman, you won't know what you're giving up. And John's like, You know, I don't care about none of that. But then Benjamin says this You might if you knew what it meant. If you knew what the oath would cost you, you might be less eager to pay the price, son. Now, of course, Benjamin could be talking about the basic things here, but it seems more than that. If R plus L equals J, then John would be giving up his birthright. His claim to the Iron Throne when he takes the black. And for what? The wall isn't what it used to be. It's a prison for rapers, murderers, and thieves. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe he's just speaking of the general things, like a wife and a family. John loses his shit when Benjen calls him son, but Benjen refuses him. He says, come back to me once you've had a few bastards of your own. John is so angry at this, he's trembling. I will never... Father a bastard, he said carefully. Never. He spat it out like venom. So John runs out of the hole in tears. He's distraught and drunk as well. So John doesn't want to father a bastard because John is a bastard. So he knows what that's like. And he knows what it feels like not to know your mother, to be treated different. And that's why I think if John and Daenerys had this relationship, that there will be a marriage involved. There won't be just casual sex unless John's transformation just changes him so much. But anyway, so John runs out of the hall. He's distraught and drunk. Ghost follows him. John has issues and feelings about being a bastard. He hates it. He struggles with it. And this chapter seems to be about how he actually benefits from it in the long term. If John Snow wasn't a bastard, if he was Eddard and Catelyn Stark's true-born son, he would have went off to war with Rob. Actually, he would have been leading because he's older. He would be dead. The best part about this chapter is John meeting Tyrion. John is coming out of the hall. He's angry. He's teary eyed. He's just not having the best go of it. And Tyrion is just sitting up on top of the castle like a gargoyle. And Tyrion wants a better look at Ghost and Ghost is really not feeling Tyrion at first. He's uncertain about Tyrion. But Tyrion comes down. He actually does a somersault off of the roof and gets a closer look, pats Ghost on the head and they have this exchange. So John says, if I wasn't here, he'd rip out your throat. And Tyrion is like, well, stay close then. And I think that could be indicative of the future in Tyrion and Jon's relationship as they go north together. The best part of this chapter is the knowledge that Tyrion gives Jon and the foreshadowing of what's to come. So you have these two men, two sons of lords, misfits outside of the feast alone because they both feel out of place inside the feast. And Tyrion gives Jon a lesson, a sharp one that's filled with foreshadowing for both characters. You're Ned Stark's bastard, aren't you? John felt a coldness pass right through him. He pressed his lips together and said nothing. Did I offend you? Lannister said. Sorry, dwarfs don't have to be tactful. Generations of capering fools in motley have won me the right to dress badly and say any damn thing that comes into my head. He grinned. You are a bastard, though. Lord Eddard Stark is my father, John admitted stiffly. Lannister studied his face. Yes, he said, I can see it. You have more the north in you than your brothers. Half brothers. john corrected. He was pleased by the dwarf's comments, but he tried not to let it show. Let me give you some counsel, bastard, Lannister said. Never forget what you are, for surely the world will not. Make it your strength, then it can never be your weakness. Armour yourself in it and it would never be used to hurt you. John was in no mood for anyone's counsel. What do you know about being a bastard? All dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. You are your mother's true-born son of Lannister. Am I? The dwarf replied. Do tell my lord father. My mother died birthing me, and he's never been sure. I don't even know who my mother was, John said. Some woman, no doubt. Most of them are. He favored John with a rueful grin. Remember this boy, all dwarfs may be bastards, yet not all bastard needs be dwarfs. And with that he turned and sauntered back into the feast, whistling a tune. When he opened the door, the light from within threw his shadow clear across the yard, and for just a moment Tyrion Lannister stood tall as a king. Not only does this show us the struggle that John has with his status, being baseborn, not knowing his mother, being a bastard, but Tyrion Lannister has similar struggles as well. And this is something they have in common, and it's the foundation of their relationship. And Tyrion counsels him in how to not let what he is dictate his life and to be proud of who he is, no matter what that is. But there is this theme that comes up. All through the chapter that harps on parentage and features. It starts in the procession with John describing everyone like Joffrey looking like his mother and Tyrion not looking like a Lannister at all. Many people think he's a Targaryen in the The basis of this starts right here. But outside Tyrion is telling John, you look more of a Stark than any of the Stark children. And this fact has been a gift and a curse when it comes to Jon Snow. Firstly, if Jon Snow had came out with silver hair and purple eyes as a Targaryen, then he would not have passed for a bastard of Eddard Stark. So in a sense, it is a blessing, but it's also a curse. Because one of the reasons that Lady Catelyn hates Jon Snow so much is because he looks more of a Stark than any of her sons. Robb, Bran, Rickon, they all three look like Tully's of Riverrun. They do not look like Starks. But Tyrion, he doesn't look like a Lannister either. He looks like a gargoyle. His hair is almost white. He's a dwarf. He has mismatched eyes. His father doesn't even think he's his offspring. He never knew his mother. Neither did John. So they have tons of common ground. And there is tons of parentage questioning being presented very subtly and very early on. So Tyrion is kindly giving John this knowledge that he wouldn't necessarily receive in Winterfell. John is bitter. He's angry. And rightly so. He has every reason to feel the way that he feels. And to feel like this world isn't fair, but Tyrion tells him, look, all dwarves are bastards yet not all bastards need be dwarves. It's Tyrion saying hey bro you're lucky you could be me you could be the gargoyle you could be the dwarf a bastard isn't the worst thing in the world even though Jon views being a bastard as the worst thing in the world. But one of the big things that sticks out is the way that Jon sees Tyrion afterwards. When he opened the door the light from within through his shadow clear Across the yard, and for just a moment, Tyrion Lannister stood tall as a king. Tyrion is referenced many times as a man who cast a large shadow, with John in this chapter, with Makoro, with Varys, and John seeing it this early on speaks to the big influence that Tyrion will have on this story, one way or another. But what do you guys think of this chapter? What were your thoughts when you reread it? And next week, we will be moving on to Catelyn 2. If you like this episode, please give it a review, like, or comment, and let me know what you thought about John 1. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.